Pop Lab the movie. What's that? Well, it's our show that we did in Edinburgh 2019 that you can now watch. Yes, watch from the comfort of your own home via our website, friskyandmanish.co.uk. There is a click to pay what you like kind of situation. You know, we don't have jobs anymore. Help us out. Um, and then you can get through to link and watch the video and have an amazing time. It's going to be great. It has been brought to our attention that in the previous episode of our podcast, a careless choice of words on our part has caused offence. We deeply regret having said Pat St. Clement when we actually meant Pam St. Clement. Although the veteran British actress is most known for playing a character named Pat, we recognise that this was unforgivable and we apologise. Clearly, there is a lot for us to learn and we must continue to check our privilege in the pursuit of personal growth. Thank you. It was acceptable in the decade It was acceptable at the time It was acceptable in the decade It was acceptable at the time Oh, hi. It's us, Laura Corcoran and Matthew Floyd-Jones. Well, actually, I should say Matthew Floyd-Jones and Laura Corcoran, because I'm the one speaking. But we're commonly known as Frisky and Manish. Frisky Laura and Manish Matthew. That's, no one ever calls us that. That's weird. I know, but I wanted to do it the other way around just for once. I like it. I like it. <laughs> and welcome to our podcast. This is the second series of our Wafflings, and in this series, we are examining the decades of music and looking into what may or may not have been permissible and culturally appropriate. You may even say acceptable in the insert decade. And the decade we are inserting ourselves into today is the 90s. Thank God, thank God, thank God. (laughs) I've been waiting. I'm not going to lie. Finally, a decade we actually remember, for starters. Mm, significantly. Lived, lived through it. And we really um, went there, I think. I think we 90s ourselves up to the max. We, weren't, we didn't half-arse it, did we? Well, I would say, actually, we did quite... I, w- I feel like I was quite a halvesy because, I mean, when oh. 1990 rolled over, I was five. Oh, no, so I meant, but then when the 90s arrived... I was in deep. <laughs> but when the 90s arrived... The fuck, it wasn't at the Hacienda, fucking like, Ow. Okay, you've totally misinterpreted what I meant. Um, I love that you thought that's what I meant. <laughs> what I actually meant was when we were in the 90s and we saw everything the 90s culturally was going to bestow, we sort of went, oh, I'm not just going to, like, I'm not going to have half curtains. I'm going to put a full valance on my head. That's what I did. You know, I was, it you wasn't did. just, just you... a slight middle part. It was, it was crazy, the, the care that went into curving that hair around my forehead. Sculpted you know, you, you had your bits. Around, around the forehead. Uh, sorry, Obviously. hair, not... Basically, I'm saying hair. We really went there with hair. We did. Um, I had stripy hair as well. I did, she like... Did, of course. I did, like, blonde, brown, red stripes going, like, down my head. So, you what, know. four four colours? Oh, no, stripe isn't a colour, sorry. You said... <laughs> <laughs> blonde, yes, Matthew, brown. Yes, Matthew, when you finish that, could you go and pick me up some tartan paint? Thank you. <laughs> Ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. Uh, Multicoloured. Let's go with that, yeah. Yes. I love it. It was a multi-strap. It was terrible. It was horrifying. I don't know what Mm -hmm. I was... I mean, I was thinking a sort of ginger spice, you know, area. 
I see you're thinking. Um, yeah, see you're thinking. But I was wrong. Um, <laughs> so was she. So, so, so. So. Talk to me oh, about God. the 90s. Do I have to start? Because, I mean, there's, you, there's so much. You start. You <laughs> okay. start. Where do you want to start? Well, I've I've already done curtains. Curtains framing the face. <laughs> <laughs> Number going... one. <laughs> Number one. This was a this this had a real uh, this 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 that really affected your experience, wasn't it? I suppose well, you had to literally see everything through those curtains. Exactly, and it was. I'm sure it was a rule at the school. I don't I don't remember it being in the handbook of the school uniform, but I I'm sure it was clearly reinforced. I mean, all the boys <laughs> reinforced it. Um, yes, no, uh, curtains framing the face, jelly sandals, crop tops, low slung flared kind of trousery things. It wasn't a kind time if you weren't happy showing the midriff, was it? Oh, no. Which I've Just never Just generally, been. like, quite bean polish. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a time to be, um, you know, a person of curve. Which is, it's because though that particular look of that kind of 90s sort of all saintsy, you know, kind of low slacky, kind of wide trouser and then a very small crop top kind of almost like a you know fitted like boob thing that just stops under the boob and then you've just got this expansive stomach i just feel like that that's really flattering to models and people who you know who have a shape that that looks good on and to everyone else even people who look sexy in every other look it's not it's not a flattering it's not no. a widely flattering look is it the way that no. like you know 50s b-boppy sort of rockabilly dresses just look good on anyone you know yeah, they hide jo, everyone. Joe, jo, what I mean. And I don't mean that because we can't see curves because we, of course, should and can. But I just mean that particular look, it seemed like it really just didn't help anyone. To no, feel, feel no, good. very few, very <laughs> few people. And I mean, this br- it brings me on to something as well, I think, actually. Um, I think, I think, you know, looking at fashion, you know, because we were talking about in the 80s, we had high, high, high glam. And in the 90s, Everyone just gave up, didn't they? They just stopped. Like, at what point did, you know, a piece of stretch wrap and some, like, Converse trousers, that's not a thing. Converse trousers isn't a (laughs) thing. Oh, they're thinking shoes. But also Converse, you know. (laughs) um, And I think that that's because the 90s was defined and it was birthed out of rave culture. Um, mm. It was a decade that was just the result of how many substances could people consume, and joyfully, you oh, know. Yeah. I think I think that the, the era defined itself by the ways in which people were getting utterly mashed. So I think everyone was in boob tubes and like sweatpants, just because it was very warm the and most dancing a lot. Way to get mashed was to mash in a boob. Yeah, yeah. Because no. you don't want you get all sweaty. You take your tops off. You just in a bra. It's fine. But then why were we you know? wearing them? Because we didn't know where it came from. Okay, I was going to say. Why I'm, were we I wearing t-shirts aware. with big, big happy smiley faces on? Like, yeah, this is cool <laughs> happiness. It's a drugs reference, children. It's a drugs reference. It was a sensible time. It hadn't occurred to me that the um, the nineties was characterised by a sort of embrace of that sort of, I guess, Being experiential wanted. kind of. Well, I I bring up Nirvana, the word, in part because of Nirvana, the the band. Um, (laughs) The band. You know, the the, the man band. But also Nirvana, that's the state. The kind of, you know, the state that I feel, obviously, when Madonna went all Kabbalah and, you know, at some point in the mid to late 90s. Which was also in the 90s. Yes, it was indeed. That, That to me as well, maybe it's all coming from a general sense of mysticism that I know, of course, existed. I mean, in the 70s, you know, the Beatles were all doing it, weren't they? But... 
it feels to me like there was maybe some kind of I'm thinking on my feet here, but some kind of meeting of the world of the rave and the 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 grunge and the sort of just like wild abandon, like pumping repeated sounds that you just get lost in and go into a different state and the actual achievement of blissful Nirvana. Seriously, date, man. But I think you're right. I think the 90s is where we nailed it mm. because I think also possibly the 90s is where we monetized it. So that's where you, you know, you, that's you, where you figure you it out. You cynical bitch. <laughs> I'm just, I am saying, I'm just saying. She JS, she's just saying, okay. Just fine. (laughs) Um, Keep on saying, because it's a podcast, we need to talk. It seems that the 90s was the era that somehow it was decided uh, that Tom Jones could do whatever the fuck he wanted. I mean, I think when you're talking about reaching out and (laughs) transcending, that was the era that Tom Jones really, truly transcended, um, you know, taste and decency. <laughs> was he ever I'm just I'm just trying to think of a Tom Jones that has ever been constrained and tasteful. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love where you're going, but I just need help getting there. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. No, no, no. Um I see what you're saying. I just I guess I'm just thinking of, you know, like cuz he kicked things off with uh, his version of Kiss, didn't he? Okay, I that had literally escaped my mind. I What? I'd forgotten what? that. I, what? All okay. I all I can picture is Sex Bomb and uh, the yeah, ballad so of Tom that was Jones, late which wasn't 90s. even him. <laughs> Uh, I mean, come on. It was the era when he got a ballad written for him by, you know, icons of indie. Yeah, Keris Matthews and that guy from that other place. Space! <laughs> Space oh my God. Scouse indie yeah, but psychedelic I'm not, jazz of course, fusion. But I'm not Scouse or indie or, you know, that's, that's your side of the world. I, it is. I do it is Lisa wonderful. Loeb. You know, <laughs> that was the top uh, name on my list of '90s was Lisa Lowe. Is this the moment though where we do have to recreate the uh, Ballad of Tom Jones? Because there might be, there might be <laughs> youngsters who don't know it. Will but you... in order to do it, I'm going to have to go to the other side of the room. Hang on one second. Okay, I'll wait here. Okay, you ready? Yeah. I've never thrown my knickers at you, and I don't come from Wales. But can we just talk about how he went from kiss? And then Sex Bomb. Which is And then song. somehow he's doing a duet with the Cardigans, the greatest... They're Welsh. ...insouciant Scandi rock band. No, they're from Cardigan. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> oh. Well, insouciant Scandi girl-fronted bands. I mean, this is where I now... I, my ears prick up and I go, And oh, you hello. step, step to the spotlight. Now you're talking my language. No, not that I have anything useful to add. It's just that I obviously... Growing up in the 90s as a a young little girly gay boy, um, my favourite memories of music and artists and things I would have run home to watch Top of the Pops for are all, they're your Lisa Loeb's, they're your Alanis Morissette's, they're your Shania Twain's, Tony Braxton's, Lauren Hill. Lauren this is a broad church. Hill. This is a broad church you're throwing at me here. I yeah, mean... but it's all under the blanket of lady. <laughs> the blanket of lady. Have you got your lady blankets in? What, yeah. a, what a thing to beneath. I mean, Celine Dion, Think Twice. That was the first what? tape single I had. Was it? Oh, yeah, of course. This is the era of our first our first yeah. um, singles. What, so that was your first? That was my first single that I can remember. And my first album was actually Jagged Little Pill, which seems pretty standard. Was it? That is, yeah. My first single, my first single was on CD, so it was, must have been a little bit later. Oh, yeah. Was... Clock, oh what a night. Oh what a night. Do, oh. Do, do, Which is a cover, do, of course. 
I had no idea. I had no, no idea there was an original or anything. But I do recall it was a night that I won't forget. Oh, I haven't found another one like it yet. And even though I didn't know a name, I knew I was never, never going to be, be the same. same. <laughs> oh, I love it when the phrasing of the rap was like, do da da do I love it when oh, raps yeah. went up and down like that, like mountains. Right? You know what I mean? I miss those days. Miss it's those also days. like that, the person, the people that go, you know, um, it's a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Like, it's all really up and down and varied and exciting. <laughs> is exciting the word or is it singy-songy? <laughs> I like it, though. I mean, I like much it. potato, potato. <laughs> but yeah, that was the first clock. And I saw them perform it live at the switching on of the Blackpool Illuminations. <laughs> it was headlined by Boyzone. There you go. Did you just say Boyzone? And my first album... You just no, boy zone. Yeah, yeah. With a zone, you stressed said, the zone of it. You did a bit. No, I didn't. This is how we know I you're didn't. now a mum. You're now a mum because I, you said boy zone, but you went I boy did. zone, and then you went, oh, oh, my mouth. What happened? I would never say that. I would never say boy zone. Let's rewind the tape, Barry. Let's, let's, let's oh, hear it. God. It was headlined by boy zone. It was headlined by boys and by boys and... My album, my first album was better. My first album was um, Morning Glory, Oasis, oh, Oasis. I mean, that was that well, was because, a, a thing you had to buy because of where you lived, yeah. and what age you were. Yeah, I that was, was legally growing up, required. I was growing up in Manchester. It was, yeah, it was. I mean, I think it was like you know, pay council tax, buy what's Morning, Morning Glory. Glory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And obviously, I mean, at, I at, at I 11 years it. old, I was paying council tax, so I had to get it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the only thing you did. But um, I, yeah, I had that one. I, I got it later than it came out. It, I was I was late to it. But I remember it, it then became a thing that it was actually a, a real black mark against your name if you didn't have it. So oh, it was one yeah. of those things where I had to buy it and then be like, oh, yeah. And then I kind of scuffed it up a bit. And I was like, oh, no, no, yeah, I've, I've had oh, this hello, for, for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just forgot where I put it because it's uh, so old. I, it's like back at the back of my CD drawer. You know, everyone's like... <laughs> You have a CD draw? What? Yeah, sure. What? But no, but, classic, uh, classic. I mean, this was, I mean, that that whole indie culture, Britpop time, yeah. super cool Britannia. Yeah. That was, uh, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't feel like there was very much cool about the 90s, but that's probably because of the era of my life that it was, you know, 10 to 15 years old is not the coolest, traditionally oh. speaking. It's not so, traditionally the coolest. So sad, life. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, that that actually the time at which we probably were the most in touch with what is cutting edge, <laughs> because like youth no. culture, is also the time when we feel like we don't belong to it and we are will never be cool enough. Well, stripy hair and curtains. I mean, we weren't helping ourselves. I know. I what, know. Were we, what were we doing? What were we doing? <laughs> um, we should dig out but, some photos. Uh, put, put it on the FNM Instagram. Oh God! <laughs> no, don't make me. We had a 90s party uh, at my house. Do you remember? Um, my flat in Kentish Town. Uh, was oh, it we did. 2010 or something? So we would have been 25. And 12, we yes. had, so we did a, you know, uh, yeah, so my flatmates and I, we had a 90s party. I don't, I can't remember what the occasion was. I think it was just having a house party. And um, you came. Back in and the you, days where we would do that. You honestly <laughs> had really done it well because you had, you had a denim, a little denim jacket on. Did. did was that your did you dig that out of a cupboard or did you actually own that it was no it's but it was a denim jacket that i had since the 90s uh, it, it, it was, was like so a accurate, vintage yeah. levi's yeah it's great and i wore a backwards kangol hat and i actually really really looked like ronan keating <laughs> i did though and i wasn't happy about it but it, it's true it was acceptable in the decade It was acceptable at the time. 
So we talked about both rave culture and also the culture of the outsider in this, you know, 90s time. And we actually have uh, a two-part piece which um, celebrates both of those things uh, via the medium of Wigfield and uh, 90s dance music. And what we discovered when we uh, approached this material was that um, if you take something, any song, and slow it down, you really find out how meaningful it can be. Also, conversely, if you speed something up, it means nothing at all.
we've got a special birthday shout out to Anna, who's 21 tonight, from Kaz, Amy and all the girls. Congratulations to Kurzel Rugby Club, who won the league today. Shots at the bar on Collins Ice. And can we have a member of staff to the ladies' toilets? Thank you. Jarvis Cocker, for goodness sake. We haven't even got to him yet. That to me was a, you know, that was a huge 90s moment when he showed his bum. And it was not because of the bum. But and he didn't was... even show his bum. He just flapped his hands by his bottom. I mean, what a bold. Yeah, but it really got turned into a, he actually statement. defecated on Michael Jackson's. That was stage, where it was. By the, by the morning, that was the story. It was so, it was, I mean, that was, a, I remember that being on the news. I, I remember watching that on the news and being like, it felt weird. It, it was, was so beautiful. It, it was like contemporary dance, what he did. You know what I mean? It was like the contemporary it was performance dance art. It was certainly performance equivalent art. of fuck off, you twat. It was, it was the which two is what fingers we were all thinking. thing, yeah, but in a much more poetic. But he flapped his, flapped his bummy hands to, in a pretend fart at yeah. Michael Jackson's Jesus thing where he got all those children to touch him. And turns out Jarvis was on the I mean, fucking money, it, wasn't he? Yeah. It, uh, even at the time, I think, uh, to be honest, well, here's something that is that is a strange thing that I've just remembered. I hadn't even, it hadn't even occurred to me until we were talking about this, which is that in the early 90s, so I grew up, I have a younger brother. I have two younger brothers, but I'm thinking about my um, closest in age younger brother, who's only a year younger than me. He was weirdly obsessed with Michael Jackson, like a real massive Michael Jackson fan. Oh my God, fan. so was I. Like when I was three years old, there's a video of me opening my presents on Christmas morning and the, one of the last things I pull out was literally just a framed picture of Michael Jackson. That's what he got. And I was n- close to tears. That's there what he was. There was a doll's house my dad had made by hand with working electrics. Okay, There were like toys and just so many amazing things in this. And then I pulled out this like framed piece of paper with Michael Jackson's face on it and I was like, so emotional. You, you should. How did you, Father Christmas know that I love Michael Jackson? You should do a double act with my brother, not me, because that's <laughs> weird. That's weird how you've just described the story I was about to tell, but with you instead of with him. And but but what's weird about it is that I never, I could never get on board. I mean, there's plenty of things that you know siblings don't you know agree on or you know see the same. But no, all siblings like all the same things. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, famously, like, it, it, it's not it's not weird to me that my brother you know loved to play football and I didn't, or my you know my brother had loads of male friends and I had loads of female friends and we were different in those ways. But it was weird to me when it came to Michael Jackson, this kind of pop icon. And obviously, when we went into the nineties, you know, it's weird for us as nineties kids, I think, to to grow up and then understand the history of Michael Jackson, how you know when when he started who he was, where he came from, uh, and also yeah. aesthetically, Different you know. All, race. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's kind of a crazy sort of mind, um, you know, maze to sort of go back through the history of Michael Jackson if you only experience him from, you know, growing up in the 90s. But what I found weird is that from the very beginning, from the moment I saw Michael Jackson or understood that there was a person called Michael Jackson, I felt weird. I didn't, I wasn't comfortable. And partly I think that is to do with my well-documented in previous episodes um, issues with uh, people who, who to me were unusual looking. In their gender. And yeah, and, and yeah, and certainly he's like... he's not unfeminine. Oh God, I mean, as far as I was concerned, I was like, it, to, it was like watching a sort of 
like a, like an animal, like a, like a, like a creature that I didn't like, almost sort of from a from a fairy tale. And it was so weird to me that my younger brother, who was so just generally like a young boy who liked Fireman and Sam and trucks and football and running around getting messy and you know just like such a boy boy boy, would then just be so into not not in a kind of weird way like I'm, I'm obviously making it sound like he was you know this kind of weird obsessive fan but no he loved him the way you loved him he was just like I love Michael Jackson he's so yeah blooming brilliant and I I couldn't get on board because I I couldn't and I'd look at this picture in his room that he had framed up on the wall and I'd be like what is it I don't get it and it's, what is it yeah and it, like I kind of hate myself a bit for that kind of because I know that reaction didn't come from what you know, I guess we now can imagine I might be thinking, which of course was not what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking anything about anything, you know, untoward um, <laughs> in private life and, you know, anything like that. I was I was literally just looking at someone who I didn't understand the entire aesthetic and presence of. <laughs> I just was like, no, which is so, well, weird. so it took I me think... so long. It took me so long to actually get on board with Michael Jackson being, um, no matter what else he is, being an incredible musician. I think as well, we touched on in the 80s talking about, you know, gender fluidity. And I think by the 90s, that had cleaned up quite a lot. You know, I think in the pop culture world, people were pretty clear. This is what girls look like. Oh, I wonder. This is what boys look like. I wonder if that also exacerbated my already, you know, my my, um, instincts in that way. It's culture. It wasn't your fault, Matthew. (laughs) I mean, it was my fault, but the culture certainly went, oh, we'll give you a free pass because, you know, (laughs) there's Spice Girls and there's boy bands. And that's all we do. No, boy zone. (laughs) (laughs) She did it. I thought I'd set it up and see if you did. You led me into that one. (laughs) Yeah, I did, I did. (laughs) Damn it. Um, Just want to prove it. You're a mum now. You're a mum. But I think, yeah, we were were very... um, we were very sold on what what they did, were and did, even though we did have this ladette culture. Yeah. It was a sexy lady acting a bit boyish. Oh god, it one was, of it the was lads. like girls girls who know about cars, but they're still you know they're yeah. still girls, Drink, but they know about yeah, cars. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. They're really, really sexy cool. smoking hot girls <laughs> yeah. in hot pants, drinking whiskey and smoking. Exactly, doing doing sort of slightly tomboy things, but they still look like the prettiest prettiest girls just in tomboy sort of apparel which is even in some ways overly emphasizes the femininity within as well absolutely yeah. absolutely it's yeah it's, and of it's course a, they they drink and smoke with no consequences they never gain weight mm. and Women uh, they don't get really. beer guts <laughs> and i mean they knew what was coming eat. they knew the fashion that was coming they knew the, the crop top low slung you know that whole absolutely. place was going to be on display oh god <laughs> how did it work how did like seriously everyone just must have had eating disorders like how did no, how well, did they have this like binge drinking culture and then you know the washboard abs something that i mean am i rose tinting this but i feel like because when i was uh, a late teenager and into my 20s when we were at university um uh, when we met around the time that we met i a lot of um girls that i was friends with um would have i don't think and i'm also actually including you in this because when I met you I think this was the fashion at the time and I think you know that was sort of a look that you know you had in your wardrobe I don't remember you ever being ever showing me any sort of or me ever interpreting from you any kind of self-consciousness about your clothes all kind of meeting in the middle I feel like it was very cool and relaxed and if anything I think actually I'd like to get back there just have it out. Well, I think people do a bit more now. I think there is a bit more like now. fat people in in crop tops. Thank We've come God. back around. Yeah, but there, there was there was a period then after when we met and before now, when I feel like people who would 
I, I felt, I mean, I can't be in people's minds. I don't know if people were comfortable or, or not or what the choices are behind anything. And also it's a totally, your, you know, your own projections much of the time, isn't it? But um, I guess... Well done for talking yourself entirely out of that before starting. <laughs> but what I would have said if I hadn't disagreed with myself is... <laughs> before saying it, yes. That is, my, that is my illness, is that I start a sentence and I, in, before I get to the sentence, I decide why it might be argued against. Isn't that awful? No wonder I can never be a politician. Um, the point I was going to make, I can't remember now. Basically, yeah, Sorry. if no, it's I, I I found it funny while even while I was saying it. But the um, yeah, that look of people who were healthy and happy and fine and looked comfortable because it does look comfortable to just be in kind of you know get some sun on your belly. Like it looks fine. Yeah. Why not? Like why not? Uh, Maybe I'm. But maybe then you I'm do see, it. you know, the Appleton sisters, and you're like, oh, but that that looks better. But, but does it? And then you're sad again. Is that media? Is that the media? Yeah, is obviously. That Rupert Murdoch. Yes, it is. It's Rupert, all because of Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch doesn't look like that in a crop. It was Piers Morgan's fault. It was all Piers Morgan. I'm actually perfectly fine to say that. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. Oh my goodness! In fact, is it fair to say that the '90s was the upping of the ante of the tabloids? Hmm. I feel like that was mm. when the paparazzi and all of that became cray-cray. It does seem, I mean, now I'm thinking about it, it seems perfectly plausible that there was, a, a you know, also a, a rise in, I mean, when did Heat and um, Grazia and all these kind of, those sort of... I feel of like they were more the noughties. Level, right, okay. Me, so maybe we were, they were setting the check. stage for that. Let because just fact check that. Could you? I'm just going to fact check. What I want to say... Um, in my essay, is that the oh first 90s... issue of Heat was nineteen ninety nine anyway. Well, there you go. So the nineties paved the way for the widespread consumption and and just kind of normalization of the sort of stories and reporting you see in Heat and Grazia. I mean, are they do they still exist? I, I've not seen one for years, so I don't know. But are they still Who kind knows? of going strong? I think they're a thing. Right, and that they seem ubiquitous and they seem sort of. They, they seem like part of the culture, like, you know, it's just part of parcel of if you're a, uh, certainly if you're a woman in the entertainment industry, in the public eye, in that way, you're putting yourself forward for that kind of commentary, which obviously I, I think is ridiculous and, and I, you know, I would like to unsubscribe. But, um, <laughs> but, I, but, you know, I wonder in the 90s, was that, was that when we sowed the seeds? I think I think that we, I've, you know, going back to talking about, you know, how it was all about joyful substance abuse. In a way, I think the 90s, we sort of indulged a lot of our worst qualities, I think, in pop culture. Because we started to, yeah, we were very much saying we were sexualizing people. We were putting people in boxes. This is what boys are like. This is what girls are like. This is rock music. This is cool Britannia. This is how you look. This is how you have fun. And, you know, let's have the page three girls and let's have, you know, the lads and um, we'll follow them around with cameras and bring it all to your door and salacious gossip. And it was like turning up the volume on everybody's kind of base, base instincts. <laughs> I mean, that is my assessment of the culture of the 90s. Let's go back. And You've sold thank it. You. That sounds great. There we go. Done. <laughs> Next. I mean, yeah, the, well, the basest thing that ever came out of the 90s, I would say, is Ace probably... Of Ace of Base. Ace of Base. No, that's the highest form of music. Um, Life is a flower. What a fantastic song. I whistle down the wind. Get oh! on smiling and the world will smile with you. 
Like the way so they fall true. off that. That for me. I is mean, one of my I can't believe that you went straight in with "Life as a Flower." I mean, I can. It's it's obviously. I wanted it to be unusual. Yeah, I wanted to not do what you expected because we know but what you all expect. that she wants. <laughs> I know. I know. The song is about Mary, baby. Mary, Mother of Jesus. Yeah. She's gone to mob. <laughs> Oh, okay. You're going to need to qualify that statement because uh, that sounds sense. extremely uh, odd you, and offensive. If you were there at the beginning of Frisky Manish and you saw the first show we ever did, uh, well, apart from a couple of showcase things, but we did a show at Leicester Square Theatre. Thank you. Shout out Leicester Square Theatre for being early supporters of Frisky Manish and giving us a space to develop whatever you call this that and we do now. Doing, oh, God. Um, but we did a Christmas show, uh, Frisky Manish's Twistmas Treat. We weren't really on the sort of catchy titles at that point where we but um and uh we, <laughs> we just threw everything at it we you know because we didn't know we, we were try. it was totally we were trying out new things we were still trying on hats figuring out what our writing style was uh one of the styles we decided to try which which never really ended up going anywhere and going into the actual show was where we would try and tell a full story through pop lyrics and just basically uh, weave them together and have you know um scenes go from one to the other and and the characters who you recognize from a real story would just end up you know it's it's like a jukebox musical, I guess. Um, yes. And we tried it to tell them. Was it wildly original? <laughs> no, yeah, it was Jersey Boys. Um, we, um, but, no, but we, we tried to do a version of it. We tried to do a nativity only using pop lyrics. And <laughs> my still my favourite thing from the whole thing <laughs> was when, after Mary announced that she was pregnant with the Son of God, <laughs> we decided that the other women of the town weren't as convinced. And then they sang, Oh, that she was. Is another baby, and I, I to be honest, I couldn't even get past that. Like, I used to laugh every time, even when we did it in front of people. It was it just got me. It I just mean, tickled it, me. It doesn't sound like a lot, and it, I'm not sure it was. It was the way we did somehow it. Somehow it was. Somehow laugh. it was amusing. It's because it's that. It's song. all in the performance. It's, oh, as we know. God, well, we have nothing in the way of material. It's just all it's choices. Choices. Um, but yes, absolutely. I also <laughs> think that the thing that makes that song so great is actually just a mistranslation. Because I think they mean she wants another, like, lover. She wants another baby. Like, you're my baby tonight. Oh, baby. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sounds like she just wants to have another baby, which is super intense. Yeah. <laughs> like, a really oh, that's, weird... That's, that's the beautiful double edge, isn't and it? Yeah, it's the... Um, that's what people love yeah. about it. No, I mean, I, I, oh, I really hope that... I hoped that was intentional. Do you think... I mean, let's... <laughs> sure. Totally intentional. Oh, that's... Because why would... She'd be going around collecting bastard children from different well, no. one-night stands. <laughs> That's what I always visualised. I was like, God, this song is bold. It's so brazen. Actually, I think so this bad. was the era of brazen songs from females. Absolutely. Of course. Alanis, Jagged Little Pill, the entire oh, gotcha. And comparably to Jagged Little Pill, of course, no way, no way, manamana. I mean, so out there. Um... But there was, there was, Can I just have oh, a what was that, that one? Um, independent uh, love uh, song. Oh, you might say this is an independent love song. Yeah. Oh, so good. But it's just about being a slapper and like being a whore. What are you can do about it? It's brilliant. Um, it's a, a, a lady, lady love song. Girl on girl. Is it? I believe. I Hang think of on. it as lesbian. Am I wrong? <laughs> I think if it is not for me, it's lesbian. It's not for me, it's for lesbians. (laughs) 
what were there any? Can you think of any other like bold female songs Man, out there? I feel saying like it. a woman. I mean, that's. <laughs> I wasn't of, of all the things I was expecting. Shazza was not. Man, but the thing is, that song. I mean, is it is it bold, empowering feminist statement, or is it just? Man, I feel like a woman for you. Like, I don't know, you know, it just, I can't tell where it sits. Shania, I think, no, I didn't I know, yeah. I think <laughs> when I go that high pitch, that's when, you know, I'm leaping in in the defence. I could, so can you, I would have been an excellent that. barrister coming in. <laughs> what did you say? All the dogs um, on the jury are like, <laughs> With my wig on. Uh... <laughs> Should have done it. Could have done. Nearly did a law conversion. Anyway, <laughs> thank um, God you did. Thank God you did. <laughs> she, they, I think she's talking about freedom and of she, what I, it I feels like yeah, for yeah. her to be a woman. And I, you know, I, I, yes, you might argue it's prescriptive. You know, she's men's shirts and short skirts. Not every woman. Likes to wear that, but but, um, but then is she saying she's just saying she likes men's shirts, short skirts? Is she prescribing yeah. or is she just describing? I also like that she says, "Forget I'm a lady, but I feel like a woman." Oh mm. uh, yeah, Dude. Oh, I hadn't even identified that semantic alteration there. Yeah, it's in there. It's in there. See, I'm on board. Yes, it yeah, is I mean, allowed. You know, I I feel like Shania Twain was just a. I mean, certainly it's a mainstream crossover from her. I mean, she was the first country star to be that kind of mainstream pop success. Or maybe Dolly Parton. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. Okay, now, I'm, I know I'm I'm definitely referring to something. I've read something about her where she's like, I know it sounds ridiculous what I just said, but it, it's related to something <laughs> real, in fact, I'm sure. I'm oh sure someone else somewhere God. in history has said something that means this is correct. Do you but... know what I mean? <laughs> Can I just can I just say before before defending myself? Can I just say I've just opened up her page uh, to see what her real name is? Oh, it's brilliant, Eileen. <laughs> oh, on Eileen. She's called Eileen Edwards. Apparently, she's a lovely lady. No, she she's Trump supporter. Oh no! I mean, not necessarily. Eileen, you can't be come both, on, Eileen. Come on, like literally, come on, Eileen. Um. What was oh. I going to say about Schneider? Well, now you've ruined the 90s. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, she's, yeah. It, it's, it's, more, it's more about her, her debut album being the biggest selling album of all time by a female musician. Ever. <laughs> no, that's what it says here. Amazing. And, um, and that was even more remarkable because it was, you know, originally intended as just for the country charts. <laughs> Kind of, you know, or that—that that was their their idea. The record label's idea was like she is the first country star ever, to ever be seen outside of a farm. <laughs> yes. Um. Nope. Absolutely can't can't uh, cannot argue with the facts. The, the wiki facts. I'm afraid they, they are yeah. black and white um, until you edit them. But actually, there was a bit more country crossover in the '90s than we had. Leanne. Really, I think any other time mm. in the mainstream. Oh my God! Was country music acceptable in the nineties? Question. Discuss. Well, because uh, y- y- yeah. Um, <laughs> End of discussion. And, Thank and you. is also acceptable anyway because it's a valid <gasps> genre. Um, oh God. I mean, because obviously you know Dolly Parton was a major star before the nineties. 
Um, yes. Uh, I guess, would you say people like Garth Brooks, Kenny Rogers, these people had also established themselves pretty much in the mainstream eye, like Johnny Cash, for goodness sake. Would you say he's, I mean, he's country, isn't he? I guess, but I feel like in the 90s, we had secret country stars. Because I think over here, you heard like, man, I feel like a woman, or you've heard um, that don't impress that don't me much. And you wouldn't, me. Or this kiss, this kiss, you know. Centrifugal. Oh, so good. Or can't fight the moonlight. And I don't think you would have necessarily heard that and gone like, oh, Jesus, country music. Because it wasn't like... Who would say, oh, Jesus, country music? Me, I would say that. This is where, again, we do not meet in the middle. I friggin' love country. Oh, God. I love a wistful Everyone's... violin over a wheat field. <laughs> a I mean, I Sorry. can't argue with that. That is very good. Yeah. A fiddle. You can't, you you can't say violin wistful, and then claim you're a country You love fan. a wistful fiddle over a wheat field. <laughs> oh, my God. That is my autobiography. <laughs> a wistful fiddle in a wheat field. <laughs> By Matthew Floyd Jones. <laughs> Picture of me on the front with curtains. Oh, I can see it. See it now. I can see it. Now. Oh, God. It was a solo album, that one for sure. <laughs> he went off on his own path. He broke away from Frisky Manish and released his own album, A Wistful Fiddle in a Wheatfield. And then he, uh, the next year, he was, he was back with his former bandmate. <laughs> yeah, he had to stop because he got a yeast infection. Oh! <laughs> Um. <laughs> can I can I say can I say one thing that I I do think of as a, a major '90s cultural moment? Yes, go. There was a massive girl band, probably the biggest girl band the world has ever seen. There was a massive boy band. I'm not sure the biggest boy band the world has ever seen, but certainly at, in the '90s was the boy band. And you had both of these. They both had five members, and they yes. both were re- one started a bit before the other. One was at the very beginning of the '90s, and one came out in the middle of the '90s. Uh-huh. And you had and there you had them. This kind of twin sort of gods up at the top of the pantheon and then one out of each of these bands decided yeah. they were a live wire they were the personality of the group they had the the stuff to go all the way by themselves and that you know maybe no hard feelings although we all think oh, probably probably a few hard feelings they decide that they're going to break away thereby sort of necessitating even though the the rest of the members kind of tried to carry on for a bit it's sort of they're they're leaving you know it sig- signals the death knell really for the band yeah. at the time and then you think about actually what happened to Robbie Williams and Jerry Halliwell separately and if you compare the two trajectories of solo career now i would not have predicted that Robbie Williams would shoot up the way he did and Jerry Halliwell would sort of the way she did. Now, uh, just a quick: Have you have you heard Jerry Halliwell sing? Have you heard "Look at Me"? As far okay, as I'm concerned, th- fair point. That is a contender for the finest Ooh, debut single. Uh, kept me from a former but group member that has ever been. I don't. I cannot think of a person breaking away from a group to become a solo artist, releasing a debut single, and it being better than "Look at Me." I. I, I can't think of one. I mean, let me entertain you, though. I mean, that was not his first one. Was very much. Let me entertain proto. you. Was not his first one. Let, let me entertain you. Was like three or four in, wasn't it? His first no. one. Was, his first one was that awful um, uh, George Michael cover. Was it? I'm, I think. Let's let's wiki it. The first single was Freedom, 1996. Well, that was before the album. I see. Okay. Yes. Yeah, right. With you. Sorry. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is, you know, so if you imagine 
these two people who leave their respective groups, these groups at the height of their powers, and then I guess that anticipation of, well, what are they actually going to deliver to us when they finally give us their solo voice? What's it going to be? Now, I don't subscribe to the idea that you have to immediately have found your voice. I'm perfectly fine with Robbie Williams taking a few goes to get to where he then got up. And and I do agree that there were so, certain things he gave to the pop world that are indisputably fantastic bangers. You know, I'm not a big Robbie Williams fan, but I, I, I condone him. Um, Jerry Halliwell, she just came out the gate with... With Look At Me, I just, and the video for it, and the sound of it, and the kind of just ridiculousness of it was just so fantastic. I just wish she could have gone there with it instead of going to cover of Weather Girls, Machiko Latino. Machiko Latino. <laughs> she, she wasn't Ina Sharples from <laughs> Coronation Street. The cheek. She's not Brenda Blethyn in Little Voice, my God. Go, Donnesta. <laughs> This is the woman who was responsible for my favourite line reading in all of 90s pop, which is, of course, The race is on to get out of my bottom. Which is definitely the original line and how it was intended. (laughs) (laughs) It's still a fantastic way to begin a song. Oh, we love it. (laughs) That's all I have to say. I know, I know. It's just, I think we all suspected that Jezza Hazard had no taste. Um... But I don't I think we really understood that. the depths to which she had no taste. But I didn't care about of, that. You know, I, did, really, I didn't care about that when... Really came unraveled. Yeah, I I think it's about who you surround yourself with. Because you think... I mean, I, I'm not sure um, Madonna has taste. But I think no. I think Madonna, with the right... <clears throat> excuse me, with the right... <laughs> I'm getting emotional. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think Madonna, with the right producers, <laughs> can vogue. Um, but Madonna, with the wrong producers, can... Reggaeton her way into oblivion. Like, I don't know. Yes. She's what she's currently doing. <laughs> In a bath. It doesn't make sense. Oh, God. With an iPad. I don't understand it. I'm sorry. I don't get it. Um, well, should we talk about Madonna in the 90s? Because she was, she, was, she was doing some things. I guess she was. She was doing her thing. She had a book out about doing everyone and everything. Doing, a, doing all kind of manner of person and thing. That would have been great if it was just called doing it. Doing it. Animal, vegetable, mineral. I'm, I'm just, not fussing. I'm doing it all. I'm not fussing. <laughs> I mean, God. I, you know, it's not something I know much about. I, I know there was a phase of hers when everything was just wanting and waiting for you. Like, you know, and everything everything was coital. I don't know. Yeah. It was. And, and of course, at the time, what, we were seven? Coital. Yes. So I, I was a bit like, <laughs> Bed, that's not a bedtime story I want to hear, Mum. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Which, and you were like, Mum, put Madonna's sex book down. Well, Stop she, trying. She kept saying, it's called bedtime stories. I was like, Mum, no. No, Mum. <laughs> this, this did not happen. Of this course. My mum couldn't be, be less clear. of a Madonna fan, I Just think. to be clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but then she, she, you know, she vanished for a bit and then came back all hippie, ray of light, Kabbalah. Which know. a lot of people identify as sort of, you know... Um, critically acclaimed kind of you know when she really showed us that you know her metal in terms of m-e-t-t-l-e i mean um you know of 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 what she could be capable of um musically and creatively and i feel a bit like "Mm, i don't know ray of light really i think it's more beautiful stranger from the austin powers soundtrack oh that was such a chip that's what she's capable of when she really puts her mind to it it's true this was also the decade though where she sort of like you know whimpered her way through evita which wasn't necessary. I know the part was yours and you should have played it. I know, but... Just saying. You just saying. weren't old enough at the time. Listen, I still would have been better than 
anyway. Can we say, can we just point out, just because you brought it up, I just want to say here, that one of my favorite things that happened in the Elite film is that Madonna decided that Ava Peron didn't have enough songs. So <laughs> the one song that is sung by another woman in the show, she Poor took. Poor Andrea Kaur. She took. Poor Andrea Kaur. Poor Andrea Kaur, who has a beautiful voice. I would have loved to have heard her version of it. I know she sings like two lines of it in the film. Ridiculous. It's just, oh, it just makes me laugh that Madonna, that was the height of, you know, Madonna's kind of diva-ness. That she basically saw a song that wasn't hers and went, I'll have that. I want it. I'll have that. I can't even sing it, but I'll have it. Oh, although that does lead us to cause. The cause. Oh, God, oh my God. Now listen, because I mean, I know we talk are a lot about Cool Britannia. Yeah. Cool Britannia and everything. Yeah. But Cool Irishness. Irish. Oh my God. To be cool Irish era. in the yeah. second half of the 90s? Jesus. Saw people say I fired like me dad. I really thought you said fart. <laughs> oh God, it's looked like me dad, isn't it? I keep getting it wrong. I fight like <laughs> me dad too. No, so was her fault it's, like yeah. <laughs> people say I look like me dad. I fight like me dad as well. <laughs> uh, I don't fart like my, well, I probably don't. I don't Some um, people say I fart like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible way to start a song. Um, <laughs> um, yes. Oh, Boy's yeah, Own, yeah. of course. Westlife. And Westlife, Westlife later. Um, but of course, you just referenced the incredible, the one, the only. Witched. Bewitched. <laughs> B-star witched. B- yeah, I was um, like, how do you say it? I don't know. I'm being tested. Yeah, bewitched. But I mean the cause. The cause. Like they were giving us like the real, they'd just break out in a jig, like for real, like an actual real yeah, and for real, Kaur, literally. Oh, I did a music joke. Oh, that's genius! No, I, was, I, I would miss you. that if you hadn't referenced it. Very obviously. Um, Andrea Core used to carry around a tin whistle with her just to meet wherever to meetings, she went. I think. Yeah, she. It would just oh, be. Yeah. It's like having a pen in your pocket. She'd have a tin whistle. Yeah. Sharon Core never have a f- never without her fiddle in her wheat never field. without a fiddle in a wheat field. <laughs> Always fiddling in a wheat field, or even any in a lift anywhere she was, she'd have a fiddle. <laughs> it was terrible. Whap it out, yeah, absolutely. Just, and Caroline Core, she had she had a, diff, a difficulter situation because she had to carry around those a difficulter. Huge, great, she couldn't just she couldn't just bod, bod her way into a you know situation. She had to carry a full kit. She did. Full so she, kit she had it harder, on. but she was still and a bowron, a bowron, yeah. not bodron. That's right. Um, and then bless him, Jim Core. It weren't about Jim. Jim were it? it weren't about him. <laughs> oh, Jim. That was that was um, feminist girl power. That um, you, well, is this showing my judgment in? But I, I think it's cool that the drummer was a lady, not the man. Well, well like the entire band. The entire band was ladies, apart one. from him. But um, but I just mean like, I just think lady drummers is pretty cool. <laughs> and you know why I think that? Karen Carpenter always comes back to Karen. I know. I know. It's Hate fair. It's reasonable. But it's yeah, reasonable. The, the cause. Well, we, we bonded, cause... haven't we? We've bonded on the fact that we loved the cause from before Talking yeah. Corners. We loved them from... Forgiven, not forgotten. Not forgotten. Oh. I mean, modal. Modal harmonies. Hello. Rita, she likes Never modals. She, I, I don't think she quite knows the modes, but she, she knows when something is modal. I like a Phrygian. I you know like the words, but do you know what they are? <laughs> Listen. You just know when they happen. Which Dorian. Is yeah, Phrygian, Most Aeolian. commonly in pop music, you would hear the Dorian, They're all fantastic. Corinthian. <laughs> That's a column. Corinthians 419. Um, all of the modes. All of them. Uh, yeah, I think actually, you know, 
this to summarize this sort of waffle. It's such waffle right now. What we've learned is the nineties. I think the nineties were a very. It was aggressively regional. You know, where you were from really was like a stamp on your chest. Oh, you know, God, like yeah. Manchester, Badger or Man. we're Irish. We're fucking Irish. Uh, or like, yeah, we're so Scandinavian. We don't even have facial expressions. Who um, was that? Sorry, this is Ace horrible. This is, I'm, yeah. Um, <laughs> they had many expressions. I'm being very, very sweeping and offensive. Um, oh my God, Barbie girl. Even coming Barbie back girl. to, you know, coming back to Tom Jones, it was so Welsh. And then, you know, Catatonia. And then space was so scouse. Like, you weren't just from somewhere. You were like the em- musical embodiment of where you were from. It was about your roots. Oh my it was God. about where you were from. And it was about how wasted you could get and how much midriff you could show. That it's, was the 90s. So it was about Brexit before Brexit. Oh, God. It was, it was how patriotic oh, not- can you get, not just to your country, but to your street. It was right down to the... Everything. It was like, where are you born? That's where you're from. That's who you are. You deserve to be there. Everyone else can suck it. God, it's that's terrible. You've just ruined the 90s for me. Apart from the Spice Girls who were from all over the place and they came together and joined forces <sighs> and were a power for good. And this is why the Spice Girls are the best. It's true. End of essay. It was acceptable at Well, I think that's oh, that's all we can really fit in because otherwise we'll be here forever. We haven't even scratched the surface, as you can probably imagine. But at some point, every good thing's got to end, including the 90s. So let's oh, sadly put it to bed and say thank you so much for listening. We uh, we just waffle, but we're glad we have people to listen to the waffling. And um, please do... Do whatever you want to do with this. Please share it. Please re-listen to it. Download it. Subscribe to us. Um, give us money. Can they give us money? I don't know. We don't have a Patreon. I don't know. We should have I'll a Patreon. Find a way. Well, you know what? Just do whatever you want. But we're just glad that you continue to follow us. And we hope that when this is all over, I'm talking about lockdown, obviously, we can do our shows again and see you in the flesh. And that would be fantastic. We can't wait. We can't wait. Can't wait. Absolutely. Stay safe. Stay well. Mwah. Thank you very much. We love you. Bye. Ciao. This podcast was written and presented by Laura Corcoran and Matthew Jones and produced by Barry Hilton. All rights reserved and please contact us for any copyright information. And d- don't sue us. Yeah.